Good morning, Sycamore Hill Church, Wilmington. It's good to be here. I want you to think back to childhood, maybe like preschool age, when you leave your own home and for the first time you got to interact with other kids. It's only a, all it takes is a couple kids and some time before there is conflict. And there's a parent in the room or a, a teacher, somebody in the room that they hear yelling and screaming and finger pointing. And so the, they run over and they have to be at the investigator and look at the evidence and, he, you know, what's everybody saying? And then Hans is like, Franz took my Stretch Armstrong toy and he, te- he said I had chicken legs. And so the teacher walks over and Franz is like this. Franz, did you take Hans's Stretch Armstrong? Yes. He's like, all right, well, well tell Hans that you're sorry. And, and he folds his arms like this. And he's like, I'm sorry. And then the teacher walks over to Hans and says, okay, Hans, you saw Franz said, said he's sorry. So now you're going to say, I forgive you. And then Hans is like, I forgive you. And then this, this moment is just so uncomfortable, they just want it to end. So they're like, let's go. And the kids just run in opposite directions. Uh, we don't. This doesn't stop. Like, we do this as kids. We hurt one another, and we need forgiveness. And then this continues, and I think there's no limit to it. As long as we're breathing, we will be hurting one another and needing to forgive. And unfortunately for a lot of us, that we are taught that we have to forgive, but not how. We know that we should forgive, but, but we don't know why. Uh, so we are going to look at forgiveness a little more in depth this morning. It's essential to our faith. The Bible doesn't shy away from talking about it. As deep and as uncomfortable as this topic can be, forgiving is difficult, uh, but it's essential. So we're continuing on in this series, thinking about how in the Lord's house, whether it's on Sunday or for gathering in life group, how we treat one another And the Bible gives us this imperative that we must forgive one another. God's doing a work in my heart in this. uh, So we we need his help. (laughs) We need his help to be able to forgive others. So let us go to him in prayer and then go into the the richness of his word that we might leave today uh, with a better understanding of forgiveness. So let's pray. Oh, precious Heavenly Father, we love you. Uh, We are thankful for you. We call to mind who we are as Christians, that uh, it was not of our works that we climbed to some height of being worthy to know you. Lord, you came to us with a promise of forgiveness of our own sins, our every single sin that you would forgive so that we would be a part of your beautiful church. Lord God, we want to receive that, and we want to understand what it is to forgive our neighbors. To a work in our hearts and our minds, we pray. And Lord, we just thank you for what you are doing in this church, especially building up a body of believers um, that treats one another right. Let your will be done in that, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'll give you a rough outline for where we're going today. Uh, We're going to be in Colossians 3. So you can turn there. We'll look at a couple different scriptures as well. 
what Hans and Franz didn't get before they had this little spat in their preschool classroom was they, they didn't have preparation. They didn't come ready to forgive one another that day. So as we walk through this passage, we are going to learn how to prepare to forgive. Preparation for forgiveness. After that, we'll be given five articles of clothing for forgiveness. The clothing we need to be wearing to be equipped to forgive. We're going to see the importance of forgiveness in the church, how it's foundational. And then just the essential nature of forgiveness. How once we are able to forgive, once forgiveness rules in our hearts, that's, that's when Christianity kind of takes off. So, so that's the pathway. So my goal is not to teach through Colossians chapter 3. Our point of focus is verses 12 and 13. So it's halfway down through the chapters where we're really going to kind of put the magnifying glass. But I think the first section is important. So we're going to go quickly, and I'm not going to comment much on verses 1 through 11, so let God's word preach to you this morning. So as we look to the word, he's got better things to say than the pastoral intern does. So so it's holy word. Let's read Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This section of the Bible has the subheading, put on the new self. So how do we start putting on the new stuff? It begins in our minds. When we are born again, when we have faith in Jesus Christ, he needs to do a work in our minds. You might remember being a young Christian and you just pepper people with questions all the time. So wait, what about this? What about this? God starts working in our minds. We start seeing and understanding the world differently. This world, whatever podcast you listen to or TED Talk or whatever news station you listen to, they do not have wisdom on how to forgive one another and how to live at peace with one another. Our world is getting more isolated and separated. We're growing apart from one another. God's word is going to set in your mind ways to help you forgive one another. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Putting on the new self started with our faith and then our minds, setting our minds on Christ, and now it gets to our flesh, to our bodies, to what we do. We cannot walk in the ways in which we used to walk, 
as God walks with us through this life, with his help, we continue to do less of the things that invoke his wrath and that hurt our neighbors. And we're able to put on and become more like him. So this is important. Before we start speaking about forgiveness, that before, before we start talking about forgiving one another, we have to understand in God's house, there is a set of rules that goes up on the wall. We do not come into the church casually sinning against one another because ah, 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 on August 22nd, that guy said, you have to forgive me. No, no, no. We hold ourselves to a higher level of conduct because we are Christ. Before we talk about forgiveness, we must take seriously sin. And, and we are not going to treat one another this way. We're going to treat them the way God loves them. So we can't be holding on to anger, holding on to these things. Put them off. Take them off. The psalmist declares in Psalm 84, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. How is it and why is it that someone would walk into the presence of people in our church and say it's good to be in the house of the Lord? Well, it'll have to do with how we treat one another. So take your conduct seriously. Do not casually sin. And then why would we do that? It's in verse 10. Because our creator is renewing us. He himself is making us more like himself. So let that be your prayer. Oh Lord, make us more like you. Make us more like you. And it will show in how we treat one another. And taking off this old self. Verse 11. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Some of you might know a, a parallel passage to this in Galatians 3.28 where Paul adds into the list male or female. Uh, I guess the people in Colossians, like the men and the women just got along. So Paul was like, all right, I don't have to say it, but to the people in Galatia, the men and the women weren't getting along. Look at these comparisons. What, what is Paul putting his finger on as he says this to this church? Why was this important to say for the conduct within the church? What's the difference between Greeks and Jews? Power. The Romans ruled over the Jews. Slave and free. Power. Men and women. The Me Too movement didn't start recently. <laughs> men and women have not been living at peace, and men have had power over women since time began. In this world, across these relationships of power, forgiveness is expected of the, quote-unquote, the lesser. If you're an employee, uh, well, if your employer says something, if they do something, they mistake, you, you got to let it go. Don't require somebody to um, repent because you'll lose your job, right? You just got to deal with the things that come downstream. Forgiveness is mandatory in this in these dynamics of power. And the Bible says it's not going to be like that in the church. In fact, the very act of forgiveness is releasing power because it is something not right has been done for you. you they owe, they are deserved punishment for what they've done. And you say, no, I'm going to hold you accountable and 
Forgiveness is just letting go, releasing, saying, you are free from my unforgiveness, my friend. I am not going to hold this against you. Releasing power. The church is not a carbon copy of something else in this world and we just slap a cross on the building. No. The way we do church doesn't copy those power dynamics. And here, we all serve one another. I think I heard Pastor Dwayne preach last week, we see each other as equals. And it's in this dynamic, free of power, that we're ready to start talking about real forgiveness. Because it's hard to forgive someone that you think you are superior to. We're equalized, and Christ is all and in all. He is the one with the power here. We give him all glory, all honor, and all praise. So that takes us 1 through 11. But we are prepared now. We're ready. If we see these things, we're ready to start thinking about bearing with one another. We put off the old self. So let's look now at our verses of focus. I'll read them, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. This is a Greek word. Uh, I I won't try to pronounce it, but this one another means mutual togetherness. This is not talking to you, singular. This is talking to you all that we are something when we are together. Bear with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. So that gives us our sermon title, Forgive One Another. That's right there in 13. But this is a work we have to get dressed up for. We're not ready for it. Verse 12 says, we are chosen by God. We are dearly loved by him. Notice the emphasis that Paul didn't just start with. Okay, forgive one another, go ahead. There's a, there's a whole lot that comes before it. Before we are ready to forgive, especially what we see in verse 12. This is what's going to prepare us. These five garments that we put on of compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And I hope we can see just how much is packed into God's word here. If you were in a Bible a year reading plan, you would have to read two, two or three chapters a day. You would just breeze over this. We're going we to look at it deeply. We need to put these on. I want you to imagine like you were at your house thinking no one was coming over and you're taking a shower. And then all of a sudden, somebody knocks on the door and says, hey, we got company over. Put these on. <laughs> you, we need to put these on. So we're going to put these five articles of clothing on, clothe our hearts, and prepare ourselves to bear with one another. The first one is compassion. If we are heavenly-minded and we think, what is the ultimate issue, the, the, the prime issue, the main issue that humanity deals with, it is our sinfulness and our separation from God. That is the one thing. If you get one thing in your life taken care of, take care of that. That you would no longer be separated from God. That you would have peace with God through Jesus Christ. That you would believe in him by faith. And, and, and this sin that separated you from God would be taken care of. That is the one thing. If we grow in compassion, we will not see 
people from earthly perspectives anymore will say, there's a sinner that needs the Lord, there's a sinner that needs the Lord, just like I'm a sinner that needs the Lord. If we grow in compassion, if we put compassion on every day, we will begin to see people differently in a way that we'll be ready to bear with them. I'll have an understanding when I walk out of my door that there's no perfect people, there's no good people. We are all broken and we need the Lord. And I can say that even when someone is hurting me, even when they are sinning against me, I can say, oh, my brother, my sister, I have compassion for you. I long for you to know forgiveness from the Lord, so I will forgive you. Oh, Lord, help us to be compassionate. I'm putting kindness and humility together. Uh, So I used to work in finance before the Lord called me to ministry, and right when the stock market was doing this, in the middle of 2008, uh, I got a job as a customer service rep at, at T. Rowe Price. And I would say... Thank you for calling Tiro Price. This is John Lim. How can I help you today? And it was part of my job to be nice. Um, why was I nice? It wasn't a change in my heart. It was a behavior I manufactured because I, that's how I made money by being nice. So there was a, there was a way in which my selfish ambition, um, my my need even to manipulate people or to get in with people would would lead me to be nice. God is not nice like that. And there is a world of difference between niceness and kindness. On the other hand, God is kind. God's word tells us that it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It takes humility to be kind to someone else, to treat them with value. I have to humble myself to be kind, and I see these things kind of dovetailing, and maybe, just maybe, if I am ready because I am humble, and I remember I'm not anything special, and I am kind to my neighbor, maybe when they sin against me and I forgive them, they would be drawn into the Lord's repentance. God is teaching me a lot about the power of kindness to soften hard hearts, because that's that's really what we want, right? We don't want... When we forgive someone, we we want them to stop doing the things they're doing. We want them to change. How is it that that happens? The Bible says the Lord does that through his kindness. We see how we've been changed through the humility and the kindness of Christ. As we put on humility and kindness, there is a hope now for someone that's sinning against me that they might be led to repentance. So God, help us. Help us to be humble. Help us to be kind. The next thing we put on here from verse 12 is meekness. Meekness is a word we don't talk about a lot. A good definition of it is controlled strength. It's not weakness. The picture I have in my head is an offensive lineman, someone that nothing's getting by him. He is powerful, an offensive lineman, but he's holding a newborn baby. And he's like maybe giggling. He's being gentle. He, he didn't lose his strength, but he's controlling it. Why do we put on meekness? Well, we have to acknowledge that in this house there's one person that gets glory and honor and power and praise, and that's not us. That's not me. So we worship God. We pray to him. 
and we let go of our earthly understandings of power. Uh, the world doesn't do a good job of this. They do it when you're the victim, and they say, ha, ah, let go of power, let go of power, but it's very hard for someone to let go of the power that we have, and that is what forgiveness is. So God, help us to let go of power, help us uh, to view ourselves in this way, to control our strength, and to be meek. And the last one here is patience. I mean, think about your life, and if I think about my life, God is continually doing a work in me. I can, I can just look at this page in Colossians and say, I'm still putting off the old self. I'm still putting on the new self. My mind is still not fully set on the Lord, and I sometimes see things from an earthly perspective. God's been doing that work in me today, this week. So what does that mean? When I came to church 10 years ago, when I walked into church a year ago, when I walked into church last week, I was a more broken, more confused version of who I am today. And my prayer and hope is God's going to keep doing that work in me. God is like infinitely patient. (laughs) Do you ever get frustrated with God's patience? Like, do you ever pray to God, like, God, why am I still the way that I am? I do not want to be this way anymore. Can you take it from me, Lord? Can you fix me? And God's like, God's not worried. And he's still working on you. And he is patient in a way that I am not. Where were you 10 years ago? What was your spiritual maturity like 10 years ago? And let me ask you this. If, if that person walked down and sat next to you, stayed at your house, served alongside of you, would you cast that person out because they're not spiritually mature enough yet? Uh, we would need to be patient, even with our former selves, in the same way that God's being patient with us now. All, we all grow when we come to church, when we come to our life group, when we sit across the table from other Christians and they are patient with us. That is the environment where God helps us to grow. So God, help us to be more patient with one another, especially because that will help us forgive one another. So that's verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And it's only now that we're ready to bear with one another. We, We are clothed for it. Verse 13 starts, bearing with one another. I hope we can appreciate how real this is. Like God knows us. God is wise. And he says, all right, you ready? You prepared? You dressed? You did all these things, all that long list of these heavenly, godly qualities. You put them on. All right. Bear with one another. Just barely, just barely bear with one another. God knows that... uh, We aren't all going to be best friends. This is an accurate view of church. You aren't going to like everybody that's a Christian. We all know somebody that has quote-unquote tried church. They showed up. They didn't do all that preparation we just talked about. They showed up. They said, oh, I get hurt in church. This is where people are not nice to me. Uh, And and they, they hold on to unforgiveness, right? And they say, oh, I'm done with church because there's imperfect people here. Those people are deeply missing out. Deeply missing out. Those people that tried church and gave up on it because as we bear with one another, as we forgive one another, we all learn so much more about God's forgiveness of us. 
God, God gives us each other our imperfections so that as we bear with one another, we learn, have a deeper understanding of just how much we've been forgiven in Christ. There's a man named Colin Hansen that puts it this way. Anyone who loves the church must learn to forgive and forbear with Christians. God does not invite us to church because it's a comfortable place to find a bit of spiritual encouragement. No, he invites us into a spiritual family of misfits and outcasts. He welcomes us into a home that's rarely what we want, yet just what we need. I love that. Church, if you find a church that's not what you want, go good, because it might be what you need. Another commentator puts it this way. To bear with each other means to put up with persons who rub us the wrong way. This does not suggest that we are simply cordial towards difficult neighbors in a detached way. Rather, Paul calls us to be vulnerable to grace in order to achieve newfound intimacy where hostility once existed. Man, that's a work of the Lord. If you can come bear with people that uh, you initially had hostility towards and then it gets birthed into intimacy, man, it's good stuff if we can see that. So that's the week-to-week normal bearing with one another. But what if something unordinary happens? What if someone sins against you? Now what? Verse 13 says, well, so we forgive one another just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you ought to forgive. Forgiveness is serious business. It is something that takes preparation. We don't just tell people, all right, now you say you're sorry and you forgive you. No, it's, it's serious. And no one takes sin more seriously than the Lord. And that's, so because of that, forgiveness is serious. Paul saying forgive as the Lord has forgiven you points back to a parable that Jesus taught about the unforgiving servant. Um, I could preach a whole other sermon on it, but I won't. But in Matthew 18, Jesus teaches on forgiveness in a way that helps us learn a lot about it. He starts by saying, don't forgive your neighbor just seven times, but 77 times, or 70 times seven times. In that parable... There's um, someone that in this in the story is God. You're supposed to envision God as a master, and then he has a servant that owes him ten billion dollars. And if you convert it, ten billion dollars of debt, and the Lord is willing to forgive that. But then this guy goes, and somebody owes him twenty thousand dollars. Imagine the difference: ten billion versus twenty thousand. And he is harsh. This servant says. Even though he's been forgiven 20 billion, he says, I'll give me every penny of that 20,000. And the Lord hears of this and he says, shouldn't you have forgiven this person just as I forgave you? Therefore, cast, he punishes him and casts him out. Paul says it in a very positive way in verse 13. He says, you know, the Lord has forgiven you, so you ought to forgive. Jesus says it in a negative and kind of shaking you awake way. And he says, so if you don't forgive your brother in your heart, if you don't forgive, so your heavenly father will not forgive you. He says it like that. The main takeaway, well, first of all, this passage helps us understand what forgiveness is because when you think about money and debt, it helps us see 
what it really is when someone sins against you. It's like someone took your money. It's like they owe you money back. And, and forgiveness is like to say, you know what? Don't even worry about it. That's a gift. That's, uh, as hard as that is with financial money, this is how hard forgiveness is. But it calls to mind just how much we're forgiven by our Heavenly Father. The main thing here to take away is that there is a deep connection between God forgiving us of our sins and us forgiving those that sin against us. A commentary says it very clearly, a forgiving person must, a forgiven person must always be forgiving. As God forgave him, so he must forgive others. For only the forgiving can be forgiven. So forgiveness to the Lord is not two things. It's one thing. If you want a part of God's forgiveness, you will forgive those that sin against you. It is not, I can have one of these and zero of these. If you want a place in God's forgiveness, we, it's an imperative that we forgive. We can't pick our family. God picks our Christian family and God builds up his church. Last week, uh, we considered the church like a house with wall art. And I'm trying to think within this analogy of a house, where does forgiveness fit in? It's not something you hang on the wall. It doesn't belong in the kitchen where you make good things. Forgiveness is dealing with bad things. And I want you to bear with me because I'm going to say forgiveness is like the plumbing of the house. I lived with my family. This was before my daughter was born in in Jacksonville, Florida. We had a humble two-bedroom, two-bath apartment. And there was a clogged toilet. (laughs) And uh, so as much as I could plunge... I couldn't get that toilet unclogged, and I'm good at it. It's, a, it's not the wand, it's the wizard. There's a technique to using the plunger. But it was, it was stuck. And Lindsay and I said, all right, we'll be patient. These things take time. We'll try again in a little bit. We'll use the other toilet. Soon enough, that toilet's backing up. And, and now I, have a, I don't have a house issue. I have a prayer request, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So I call maintenance, and they bring a guy over. I called, and he answered. He actually has to get up on the roof and snake through, like down through this rusty old pipes that clogged up all our plumbing. And then our issue was resolved. (laughs) We could get rid of the things we needed to get rid of in the house. And I I don't know. The analogy is not perfect, but... If you got something in your house that's stinking it up, you need to get rid of it. And if you got somebody that's hurt you or wronged you and you keep pointing it, sniffing it, smelling it, get get rid of it. The Lord wants you to be released from it. There's freedom in forgiving. You're not clutching on to anger. That's, That's what the old self does. Let it go. Get rid of these things. I know, I know there's a way in which uh, on a Sunday morning we can talk about forgiveness like it's easy, but it's not. It's difficult. Some of us hold on to things we have not let go of. We are living in forg- unforgiveness. We have made some of us all life-altering decisions, and a lot of times it's not for the better because of things we're not ready to let go of and forgive. Dr. Tony Evans um, gives some help some practical help. 
Forgiveness does not mean approving a sin or excusing evil. Rather, forgiveness means releasing people from obligations incurred by their wrongs against you. So in a a sense, unforgiveness is like the opposite of meekness, like we said, just holding on to things. Dr. Tony Evans continues that there's two types of forgiveness. One is unilateral forgiveness, and the other is transactional forgiveness. In unilateral forgiveness, this is when you forgive someone in your heart, despite their lack of repentance. This is like Christ on the cross saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Or even forgive them even though they they know what they do was wrong. This is between me and God that I am letting go of this and I'm forgiving this person. And the other kind is transactional forgiveness. And this involves the confession of the offender, their repentance, and then maybe reconciliation with them. That there's a restored relationship. Forgiveness does not always mean there's a restored relationship. That's important. If someone is harming you, hurting your safety, God may want you to be delivered from that situation with a healthy boundary put up between you and this person. But even then, even still, God is asking you to forgive that person in your heart and release them. Forgiveness is for our own good because unforgiveness leads to bitterness and anger. That's putting back on the old stuff when we should be taking it off. Don't hold on to that anger. As we near our end here, I'm going to read some more scripture. I want us to focus again on this thing of forgiveness, that it's not just forgiving one another. If we do that, we will be forgiven by our Heavenly Father. And I'm going to read from Isaiah 43 about our way maker that makes a way for us through the waters. Isaiah 43. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. That's verse 25. One more time. I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. When you pray about, Lord, help me forgive this person, the Lord's already taken care of it. He's already forgotten about it and blotted out that sin. Let that help you forgive someone and remember how he's forgiven you. As we close today, I want you to see that forgiveness is the structurally important part of the church. We prepared for how I can forgive. I got all dressed up so that I can forgive. And now, if we all do it, if we all bear with one another, if we all forgive one another, it's like we've passed over this threshold that we're a new kind of community now, that love can define us. We will love one another. There will be a bond of unity and peace amongst us. I want you to see Colossians 3 like a, like a to-do list, and you've got to do it in order. And if you get held up at verse 13 and you can't bear with and forgive one another, just forget the rest of it. But if we do, if we bear with one another, if we forgive one another, look what happens in the last three verses. 
starting in 14, above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you, in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If we get the junk out of the house, if we flush it away, look at what God can do in our community. What riches these things are. So, if we set our minds on Christ, we take off the old self if we put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, and love, and if we bear one another and forgive one another, we get all this. So, so where does that leave us now? How do we apply the word of God? How do we not be fools that just listen to the word but do it? This will look different for each and every one of you. You might call to mind someone that you're having a hard time bearing with. Maybe they're in your family. Um, maybe they're right here in this church. Maybe it's someone that maybe they're deceased or maybe it's been years. You no longer talk to this person but you still hold on to unforgiveness in your heart. God, help us to forgive and in so doing to learn more about the heart of our Savior. So let's take, I want you to call to mind people you struggle to forgive. I want you to call to mind people you struggle to bear with and let's just pause for a moment. Take a deep breath with me and let's pause and let's pray and lift this unforgiveness up to the Lord that we might be able to release it through his power.